0: Bedford's News
1: Talk Station 1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paliologos. Get your finances in order. Money wise starts now.
0: Good Sunday morning. It's eight o'clock, just a little after, and that means on a Sunday morning, it's time to protect your family, your home. With one of the best folks, Ray Lance of USA Wealth is here, as you always do every single week. You help us along, you give us great information, and you always, Ray, have very
1: interesting shows. Good morning. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise on another Sunday morning. Today we're going to be talking about some very important topics, and I just want to remind folks that... Every week, Money Wise is brought to you by USA Wealth Group, and our mission is very simple. We want to show you how to protect your family, and we want to show you how to protect your money. You can reach us, by the way, at 508-998-8858. Now, the emphasis this morning is going to be on how to protect your family, because we have a very special topic. We have a very special guest with us. Our guest this morning is Mr. Brian Fernandez, who's a... Lifelong resident of New Bedford and he's a veteran of the United States Marine Corps and uh, Brian good morning. Good morning, Greg Brian, uh, we're pleased to have you uh, on the show this morning Our primary topic today is going to be talking about young people old people veterans people who have depression people who have special needs because we're going to be talking about suicide awareness today and it's a very important subject. It's touched your life and your family's life personally. Uh, you may not know, but it has also touched my life and my wife's life. We're gonna talk about that in a few minutes. And, um, but I'd like to welcome you, Brian. I wanna start out with a few positive pieces of information about you. I know you are a third generation owner of Fernandez and Sons Construction. And what's the specialty that your company does?
2: Um, Well, they actually began as uh, masons, and um, at some point uh, started building a lot of gas stations. And when block buildings were not the norm to build gas stations anymore, they transitioned to uh, the pump and tank field. So uh, we service um, some of the uh, major oil companies uh, that you would be familiar with, and we also service some local gas stations. We also can help people uh, with their home heating oil issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, like getting a tank out or installing a new tank. I
1: was going to ask you that. If somebody had an underground tank, for example, that they wanted to have
2: removed, is that one of the
1: things that your company does? Correct.
2: Exactly. Yes. We do marinas. Uh, We service several different areas.
1: Now, if somebody has an underground tank, for example, and they want to know uh, information about it or what does it cost or they want your services because they know they have to have it removed – how do they reach you by telephone, for example?
2: Right. So you can reach me, Brian Fernandez, at 774-930-4436.
1: You know, Brian, I had a house in Dartmouth once. was up on Gulf Road. And when we went to sell it, we realized that we had an underground oil tank. It supposedly had been discontinued. We were using in in the cellar tank. But we knew that we still had this tank in the ground. And I was very concerned that it would be a liability and a problem when we went to sell the house. So we used a a company to come in and excavate it. We had to have the fire department there to uh, check out the ground to make sure there wasn't any contamination. Thankfully, there wasn't. So it was a fairly clean removal, but I felt better and I didn't have to worry about selling my house with an underground oil tank on the property.
2: Yes, and actually uh, very few ban- – I don't know of any, but maybe there are some, but very few banks will allow a, a sale of a house with an underground stor- a storage tank. Today. Yeah, even if it's
1: residential, it's more of a problem for a commercial property, I know, because then right. you may have to do a 21E exactly. uh, soil investigation and hazardous waste investigation. Technically, 21E doesn't apply to residential properties. But right. If you have one, uh, you really ought to get it removed because it will become a problem if
2: you ever want to sell your house. Exactly. So tell me your phone number once again, Brian. It's 774-930-4436. Now,
1: ladies and gentlemen, in the the spirit of full disclosure, I have to tell you about my friend Brian who's sitting next to me because – I first met Brian um, when I joined the Dartmouth Congregational Church in Dartmouth and discovered that Brian was there as a member. The second thing I learned about Brian is that he's a former Marine, and so I related to that because I'm also a former Marine, um, and several generations in my family as well. Um, and then recently, Brian also joined my Masonic Lodge, a star in the East Lodge in New Bedford. So. We have multiple connections, don't we, Brian? <laughs>
2: yes, we do, Yep, yeah. I'm the only Marine in my family that I, that I know of. So, <laughs> right. But we, thank you for your family's uh, lifelong dedicated service. It's great.
1: Well, I would be remiss, Brian, if I didn't give you a few quotations about Marines because it's sure. one of my favorite things to do. Sure. So this is uh, Jonathan Winters, the famous comedian. Remember Jonathan Winters? Yes. He said, I've always been proud of being a Marine. I won't hesitate to defend the Corps. So you don't think of him as having been in the Marine Corps, but he did serve, and he was very proud of that fact. Um, Ronald Reagan, President of the United States. This is one of my favorite one quotes of, my so
2: I know, I know of all time.
1: Word. Some people spend an entire lifetime wondering if they made a difference in the world, but the Marines don't have that problem. So I love that quotation <laughs> from Ronald Reagan. Um, when I first read that, it just sort of elevated him in my mind yep. uh, as somebody that I I liked. Um, And then I'll give you one more. Uh, This is from a father, Kevin Keeney, who served as a 1st Marine Division chaplain uh, during the Korean War, where my father also served, by the way. My father received the Purple Heart in Korea, Mm. and he was in the Chozon Reservoir and so forth. Um, So this is a quote from Father Kevin Keeney. You cannot exaggerate about the Marines. They are convinced to the point of arrogance that they are the most ferocious fighters on Earth And the amusing thing is that they are. (laughs) So, anyways, that's my quotations about the Marines. But, Brian, thank you for your service in the Marine Corps. So, Brian, um, you have your own construction company. You're third generation doing this. And I know that keeps you busy. And um, I know you have children. And I know also that um, you had a son, Nicholas. Correct. And uh, Nicholas uh, died. Uh, by suicide. And that was about, what, eight years ago, I believe? Correct. March
2: 8, 2008.
1: And uh, he was fairly young when he passed away. He was only 17. Mm -hmm. So that's a terrifying thing for any person. It's it's especially terrifying for a parent, I think. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about this entire topic of what you have done to make a difference, I'm sure, in the lives of many other young people uh, through your committed efforts to sponsoring legislation that requires teachers to have more training to understand what the problem is um, and to be able to recognize somebody who has a problem. I'd like to mention just once also that um, my wife, Tenny, who's on the radio show many times, attorney Tenny Lance, uh, she had a brother who also died by suicide, and we felt at the time that it was probably a result of an automobile accident that he had because he had a fairly new Volvo station wagon. This goes back quite a number of years. It was a safe car even then, and he was involved in a head-arm collision. There were two cars of teenagers who were racing on a two-lane road and he was fully off on the road on the shoulder, and, and they still managed to hit him while he was on the shoulder head-on. And He was a Navy physician at the time. He was on full active duty with the Navy, and he had serious head and facial trauma. Uh, his sinus cavities were crushed, for example. Um, he never looked the same afterwards. His face was uh, disfigured. But more importantly, he also had constant pain the rest of his life. Um, When he left the Navy, after he left the Navy, he went into private practice, and uh, he was an ophthalmologist. He was an eye surgeon uh, in private practice, and he actually did something by way of a warning sign, which I guess is something that sometimes occurs as well. Um, He took an overdose of phenobarbital, which is really a cry for help because it's the slowest one of the slowest moving drugs that you can take yeah. and it makes you go to sleep basically and so from there he went to the hospital he was taken to the hospital uh... he was under psychiatric care for a while um, but later um, he managed to find another way to end his life through suicide um, so even in my own family we have experienced that right. and i remember at the time you know, going to his services and so forth, how difficult it was. And they played the Navy hymn, which is, you know, a terrible piece of music. I mean, it's a wonderful piece of music, but it's a terribly sad piece of music. So there are many, many people living, uh, listening out there today, I suspect, who have experienced uh, this in their lives where somebody in their family has ended their life through uh, suicide, uh, taking their own life. So what we'd like to focus on today is some of the positive things that you have done, Brian. Um, And the efforts that you have made, I believe, have made a huge difference in the lives of some other people, number one. And we were talking a little bit before the show, Phil, and you mentioned that it's probably one of the most important tributes that Brian can continue to make on an ongoing basis. Uh, to bring positive memory to the life of his son, Nicholas.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you Maybe. do. Maybe. Every time you go out and speak and you mm-hmm. touch the hearts, and more especially the understanding, you expand our minds and you help teach us. Nick is right
2: there with you. Absolutely.
0: Nicholas yeah. is right there with you.
2: Right. So what I what I told you earlier uh, is that, you know, I feel— that uh, people ultimately um, take their own life and die by suicide uh, don't feel the ability to have their voice heard. They're, because of stigma and judgment, um, they keep it suppressed. They try to deal with their own problems. And uh, so I feel I want to be a voice. You know, your uh, brother-in-law that you talked about, Ray, you know, he was facing several factors that were going against him. I believe the number one rate of suicide, uh, number one rate of death for doctors is suicide. The the number one rate of death for... um, Military personnel is suicide. Twenty-two uh, veterans and one active service member every single day take their own life. It's twenty-three every single day,
1: which, which is a terrible statistic. Right, isn't it? it's a
2: terrible yeah. And forty-two thousand uh, Americans every year have reported suicides. So, and this there's a lot that we don't know. There there could be questions on whether it was suicide or not. But forty-two thousand, and so th- this comes with the with the um, myth. You know that people who take their own lives are weak or cowardly. It's in in fact, it's the exact opposite. Doctors, military personnel, police officers—these are people who have experienced Absolutely. some of the toughest situations you can experience in life: medical school, um, uh, police training, mm-hmm. military training. Uh, so they think that they're 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 problem solvers themselves, and so they many times uh, don't get the help that they need. Uh, And they try to self-help, and it leads to their destruction in the end. You know, I read an article about you, Brian, that had been in the paper.
1: Um, And your son, Nicholas, by the way, was a senior at Greater New Bedford Regional Vocational Technical High School. And not only is it a, a very difficult thing for the family and the parents to go through, but what you decided, I guess, about a year later was that you needed to do something to take action. And I'd like to read a quotation, Phil, from the uh, newspaper article. It said, at that point, I was a little stronger. A year had passed, and I started to say, I've got to spend the rest of my life doing something to prevent the next suicide. The numbers are staggering, and every effort that you have made, Brian, I, I think has made a difference and will continue to make a difference. Truly, including, mm-hmm. yes. Including in the area of legislation that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But some of the statistics are, are really quite alarming, uh, going back to 2011, for example, um, there were 202 homicides in Massachusetts, but there were 553 suicides in mm-hmm. Massachusetts the same year. So when you look at it that way, it's in many ways a more serious problem. Uh, we we see a lot of news reporting about homicides because it's attention getting, but the the rate of suicide is actually much much greater, I'd, much larger.
2: Mm-hmm. I've been fighting this. I know the media. There's this. There's been this um, theme in the media not to report suicides. Right. And I understand. Uh, you know, they've given me several different reasons. Whether it's glorifying, they, they report gang shootings. That's glorifying. The, a lot of these gang members mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. get their name in the paper. Um, but when did car accidents become like news and stuff? So I don't think you need to report every single suicide. You don't need to say John Smith took his own life today because you'd be doing two a day in Massachusetts. But um, I think that the media is really doing a disservice in not reporting. This is a public safety issue. And if people don't know it's a problem, like the recent opioid finally is coming to light, the recent op- opioid problem. And I think if people knew that there was this number of suicides, then more could be done about it. That combined with calling it mental or behavioral health, which is another pet peeve of mine, it gives the ability to be putting on a lower standard and to say well these people are crazy or drug abusers or whatever they are instead of saying what it is it's a brain illness it's the brain is an organ right and you may have an illness of the heart or the lungs or the kidney you may have diabetes high blood pressure uh, sugar issues some people have low serotonin levels in their Surely. brain sure. some people have you know alzheimers is not a mental health issue it's a medical condition and i think we need to start talking about these issues as medical conditions and treating the brain and treating them on the same level we do other medical conditions. How
0: interesting. May I suggest that you put that in the form of a letter, Mm -hmm. send it to Jim Dierruda, and have them publish it because the newspaper, the radio station, the television stations, we're under uh, the same understanding that we don't normally report death by suicide. It's a personal matter. And many times I've been approached, Phil, should we run with this? And I say, it's a personal matter. One just happened not too long ago to a young girl who was in her early teens Mm -hmm. and uh, friends of ours. I said, no, don't run with this. Just, this is a personal matter. What you're saying though, puts light, puts sunlight on something. Mm -hmm. So you're helping me stretch now, Mm -hmm. Brian. You're teaching me again. You've taught me a lot mm. through uh, through Nicholas, so we, I think it would be uh, it would behoove you to write a letter to mm-hmm. the editor, have okay. them publish it, because it will teach them also, as they report, and us. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll get the story out as well. Yep, right. I,
2: I think that makes good sense because there is a combination, you know there is some combination between the opioid uh, problem and and mental health. It's uh, oh, sure. you know, so sure, you know. But not where, and I have a different view than I possibly did before Nick's passing, um, which was not drug related. But uh, neither here nor there, these people are trying to self-medicate. They don't. They can't go. It's the socially acceptable form of of uh, treatment, you know. For so you you take drugs or out drink alcohol, mm-hmm. and people are more understanding of it than if you say, you know, I think about jumping off a bridge every day, and you go to a and you you need to take Prozac or, or right. whatever the. I, I, I
0: need to ask you this because you're touching on it, but the word stigma, yeah, the word stigma, you, oh. you've you've touched on it. You know, we're we're kind of conditioned to alcohol. Oh, he oh. drinks a little too much. That's kind of you know, taking the edge off, but there's still the underlying problem. No different than drugs, right? Is there a stigma with death by suicide?
2: Oh, absolutely. But I will say this, Phil. Um, Eight years ago, when Nicholas passed away, I was very vocal about it, uh, and it was not a common thing to be vocal at the time. I was I know turned away a lot. People are, were terrified of the word suicide, um, and there's still a lot of stigma. Stigma comes from fear and ignorance. Right. So I want to educate people, uh, and if they, you get educated, then you're not as afraid about it. You know, they did a study at Northeastern Northwestern University that says you know mentioning the word suicide does not Put suicidal thoughts into people's head; it does the exact opposite. You miss an opportunity to converse with somebody and maybe save a life. So, but still today, um, most and all that I know of the, uh, the the administrators in the schools in the area, mm-hmm. they want the training for the teachers. They want the training for the, the personnel and staff. Sure, they don't want us anywhere near the kids because, you know, they're saying, "Well, if we don't do anything, and a child takes his own life, you know, I then we're good." We, don't, right. we didn't do anything. Nobody can blame us. But if we mention the word suicide and a child goes out, and then they have some problems maybe they think. So. Ray,
0: I think if parents had a real heart-to-heart with their own children and the, the kids were open and honest, they would probably say more often than not, yes, I've thought. Right. The thought has crossed my mind. Right. I think that is. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, absolutely. They do risk, yeah, they do risk behavior. Yeah. And,
0: and as parents, we don't. We have the stigma of fear. We oh, don't you want don't to want ask it. our kids. No, have you, you ever thought of this? We yeah. don't want to talk about
1: that. Well, not only have I thought about it, but I have actually spoken with children as young as eight years old who have been talking about uh, taking their own life and mm-hmm. killing themselves. Right. Now, partly they're parroting words and things that they may not fully understand what they're talking about, but it is a serious problem. And I just read something uh, recently or saw something on the news recently um, about cell phone use. Slightly off topic, but not really. And the fact is, you can go to any restaurant today, you can go to any movie theater today, you can go to any function anywhere today, and you'll see all the kids on cell phone. The purpose of this story on the news was simply to say, Why don't you set some basic rules in your family so you'll have a chance to talk to one another? So no cell phones go to bed with you. A lot of kids take the cell phones to bed with them. No cell phones go to bed with you. They're off at night. They're off during mealtime. And you you set the rules for when the phones are simply off. Now you can communicate and you can have a dialogue with kids. We're going to talk not only today about the problem of suicide in general, we're gonna focus, especially in the second half, of young people, how to spot the signs, some of the things that you might be able to do, what about counseling, what about things of that nature. And I'm not gonna mention any names on the air because I think that would be disrespectful to uh, family members, but we even had a, a young person, age 23, just in the last couple of weeks in our own community, in the town of Dartmouth, who committed, uh, who had death by suicide, and um, it's it's there everywhere. So I want to focus a lot on young people, but I do want to mention that uh, there's a very high suicide rate amongst elderly white men who might suffer from depression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often not recognized, mm-hmm. but um, approximately one in five suicide attempts in the elderly does end in death. Uh, firearms are the most common cause. We're going to speak with Brian a little bit about some pending legislation about having some further training in the area of uh, gun safety, uh, for example, a uh, critical concern. But I want to come back to something we started talking about briefly, Brian. We're speaking with Brian Fernandez, uh, who's a local advocate for helping to educate the public and especially uh, students uh, in the area of gun um, Death by suicide. So, top eleven or ten professions with the highest suicide rates: medical doctors. And as you mentioned earlier, Brian, they have a lot of stress. I mean, they they work an unrealistic number of hours when they're going through medical school. You know, eighty to a hundred hours a week is not uncommon at all. And the second thing is they have access to medications. So, if they do reach a point of depression or overwork or stress, they have access to the, the means uh, to end their life. Uh, dentists, and I had heard this before, dentists have a very high uh, occupational suicide rate. Um, police officers, police officers deal with stress. Veterans deal with stress. Uh, veterinarians, you wouldn't think of it as a veterinarian. You think of animals as being something that give comfort. But I suppose it makes sense if you're constantly having to put animals to sleep, which is one of the things that's mentioned in this article. Um, That can affect your emotional well-being. Number five is a little scary because it happens to be what I do. It's called financial services. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, the financial industry, if you think about it, um, if times are good and they're making money, everything is fine. Right. But if times are not good and they're not mm-hmm. making money, sure, then they can get into uh, an area of depression. Mm-hmm. Real estate agents also have a high occupational hazard. Um, mm-hmm. And then electrician and number eight is uh, lawyers. So mm-hmm. um, somewhere in this list, I, I'm falling to two of these categories. <laughs> But um, anyway, if anybody has interest in any of this material, by the way, we're always happy to provide it. Um, Brian would be happy to provide it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can reach me, Ray Lance, at USA Wealth Group, 508-998-8858. This particular show is a little different, but uh, go ahead, Brian, you can Um, say something.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to elaborate on what you were saying, and and again, I think that People, when it doesn't happen in your own family, I think it changes for you when it happens in your own family. But I think when you're a, an observer from the outside, you re- we really dismiss people who take their own lives as, you know, degenerates or drug users or, or possibly you know or just lost souls or lost individuals. And I think Ray, uh, reading off those uh, that list of occupations, shows us uh, that it's it's a lot of Type A personalities, a lot of very highly successful qualified people, and so. It's really important to understand that these are um, brain illnesses sure. and they're functions of the brain. What you were saying earlier um, about uh, – what were you just saying a second Well, we're talking about the different Bef- occupations. No, and, before the occupations. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, okay. Just basically that it affects people in all ages, all age groups. Um, we're going to focus more on children, and we're going to talk more about right. kids. And we're going to talk about some of the legislation uh, that you've been doing. Uh, that you've been a, uh, yeah. very important in helping to sponsor. Yeah. Right, I'm in glad that you're you're,
0: uh, you're calling it what it is, though. Right, uh, it, there is a short circuit somewhere. Exactly, uh, and this happens with a drug addiction. You'll right. you'll notice with alcoholism. You know, there is a a shortage of something that uh, the brain isn't working
1: properly.
2: Right, that's what I wanted to say. Is that. I think we need to realize that um, people go through all different kinds of problems. Sure. But, it's like, you may have a heart condition, so it may be a heart attack waiting to happen. You go and run a marathon, you dropped out of a heart attack. Suicide is similar. mm mm-hmm. the, the, the conditions of the brain yeah. are causing a situation that is dangerous. So people don't—not everybody that their girlfriend breaks up with them or they lose in the stock market or their wife leaves them or they right. lose their job— go out and kill themselves. What it is is that you already don't have the coping mechanisms because of some lack of brain sure. mechanism. And then so when something bad really happens. So we have to be careful about attributing events to suicide. Right. Okay. It's really, it's really something. Point. Yeah, so yeah. it's really something that's been going on in that person's life for mm-hmm. at least years. We're going to come back in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen,
1: after a short break. We're talking with Brian Fernandez. We're going to be talking about the Nicholas Wayne Fernandez Memorial Foundation and some of the wonderful things they're doing. And we're going to be talking about what parents can do, what friends can do, with some kind of life-saving steps that you can take if you think that you are dealing with somebody who is a possible suicide risk. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sorry, I
2: lost my drink. <coughs> We'll
1: edit that part out <laughs> <laughs> welcome back ladies and gentlemen this is a very special program we're doing this morning we're talking yes. about suicide and suicide risk uh, we're meeting this morning with brian Fernandez, who's not only a member of my churches or i'm a member of his church uh, we're both former marines and we're both masonic brothers so we we have many things that we share in common And I've been wanting for some time to have Brian come on the show and talk about his own experiences, but more importantly, to shed a little bit more light on the problem that we call suicide and the fact that we need to talk about it. We need to educate the public about it and that we don't want to regard it as a stigma. It's a problem that needs to be addressed, but there are some solutions. So Brian, welcome back, first of all. Thank you, Ray. and appreciate you being here. Um, I know it's taken you a while to be able to talk about the subject, but I think that your ability to help sponsor legislation and to talk to teachers and to talk to students has been probably a very important mission in your life and a very important part of your own healing process as
2: well. Well, I really do feel that's the case. I I feel like because of the stigma that was uh, around at the time of Nick's death, which still there's still a stigma, but I do think we've made leaps and bounds in the right direction. Um, prevented him from speaking about the situations that he was going through. We classify them as a, you know, a character flaw or or a weakness of some kind, and and not a medical condition like it should be treated. So he didn't feel free to talk about what he was experiencing and to get help for what experiencing. So now I feel I'm the voice of him and others who have died by suicide. Well, I
1: suspect that um, some teenagers commit suicide for. Reasons that we just don't know it could be uh, bullying for example. I think we've seen examples of that that have taken place Um, It could be because of uh, some addiction. There's a lot more access to drugs Mm -hmm. and There's a lot of social bullying that takes place today Uh, I know when you're a teenager. It's a very formative time in anybody's life I remember all the insecurities I had when I was that age and they're very real. They're very real problems. Um, are there any particular warning signs that uh, sometimes uh, kids, in particular, will give us if they're concerned, if they're thinking about uh, suicide?
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, and and unfortunately, most of the warning signs you could attribute to ninety-nine percent of the teenagers out there at some point in their lives. It's but so what I like to tell people is. You know, look for a complete change in behavior. You may have a a student that acts out in class all the time, and all of a sudden he's being quiet and reserved. And then you may have another student who is uh, very quiet, and all of a sudden he's acting out. So there is some contradiction there, but it's like so you want to look at a behavior that's not typical in that person. Um, Sometimes uh, they'll get all of a sudden very joyous because they've decided they're going to take their own life and all their problems are gone. Um, But other warning signs are obviously, you know, experimenting with uh, drugs, talking about hurting themselves. You want, never want to take any of that uh, lightly or f- a feeling of hopelessness. Sleep changes in the sleep. Um, and and uh, what drawing from family or friends, those type of things. What you were talking about really quick on the bullying, though, again, and I do agree, I think what you were talking about, the cell phones, really is an off topic. The amount of uh, electronic impulses that are being mm-hmm. taken through the eyes and, and the brain I think it's definitely connected to the rise in, you know, ADHD or hyperactivity disorder, all these other situations, because the brain just was never used to handling all these impulses, a constant 24 hours. If you look at where TV came and now where we're at now, you've seen a steady rise in these type of conditions. So I do think they're definitely uh, connected. And so the bullying, while again, like I said, they don't take their lives because they're bullied. They take their lives because they have a, condi- a a brain condition, and they can't take the bullying. Now, the reason that we've seen an increase in it is because the bullying is constant now. So maybe when you were a kid, you may have had these same conditions, sure. but you got bullied once, and you could go home, and you'd be safe. You got past that dangerous point. They're under constant pressure from bullying, social media, all this other stuff. So all this stuff is very connected, Ray. Right?
1: And, and there's fewer opportunities to connect with parents or connect with friends because— um well i I went to a restaurant recently and the waitress came up and said it's going to get noisy shortly because there's a group of 30 cheerleaders who are coming in and they came in they were all in their uniforms they all dressed they all sat down and three quarters of them immediately had their cell phones up and operating so they're not even talking to each other at the table they're talking on texting on their cell phones (laughs) um and so I think probably the fewer social interactions you have because the kids are not only inward about their own problems, they're inward in terms of who they're talking to. They're talking to their cell phones. Not that we can blame everything on that. So I I think one thing you mentioned though is very important, Brian, and that is to pay attention to changes in behavior. If they've been a shy child and all of a sudden they're totally just the opposite, that's a sign or that's a concern, what's going on. Look for a change in behavior. If they've tended to be a very outgoing person and all of a sudden they're acting very morose or depressed, that's another kind of a sign. So be alert to what's going on. Let and me ask you this. Go ahead.
0: How would you get your child to a doctor, a psychiatrist? You you have a fear, but how do you actually take that fear, translate it into action and get the help they needed?
2: Right. Well, there's several components to that problem. Number one, the lack of treatment facilities in this area. I tell everybody, just go to Boston if you're happy. If your kid had a heart condition, you'd take him to Boston to a cardiologist. Mm. You know, um, one of the mistakes I made um, was I brought Nicholas to uh, his primary care physician for some situations he was dealing with. And I do believe that Nick's suicide was, uh, in the end, finalized by a reaction to a prescription that he was giving. And they didn 't realize he had a, a, a diagnosed a depression, an undiagnosed depression or some other type, but maybe bipolar or whatever right so so he had a negative reaction to this medication that was given to him and and it really was the final straw on his suicide so I think what you need to do and i 'd like to see legislation that 's one of the things i'd like to see which it would be a very uphill climb is not having doctors who don't have expertise in the field dispensing medication of a certain type so you i wouldn't want a foot doctor dispensing cardiac medication. I don't want you know, a primary care physician dispensing uh, mood-altering edu- uh, mm-hmm. medication. I think it should be dispensed by a, a psychiatrist because they know the three-point plan that's in place that needs to be in place, medication, counseling, and behavioral modifications. Too many people just address the medication, you know, and so, or too, pe- too many people are afraid of the medication. So what I would say is that if we can change the I keep going back to this Phil, but if we can change the philosophy that this is not a behavioral problem but a but a brain illness, then you wouldn't think twice about taking your child to a doctor because you're accepting that my child's not weak or inferior in right. some kind. You're saying, okay, he has a medical condition like right. any other medical condition. Right. Mm -hmm. so we want people to look out for warning signs
1: by the way this is what i think is a very good website it's called www.yspp.org which stands for youth suicide prevention program Um, take a look at that or if you want more information and don't have a time to write this down contact me at my office or you can give brian a call as well we'd be happy to give you more information about that, um, Brian, I know that you belong with a local group in the uh, New Bedford area uh, that's concerned
2: about this issue. And what's that called? That's uh, the Greater New Bedford Suicide Prevention Coalition. Basically, what happened was we had three uh, middle school age suicides in the community in a in a period of, I believe, a year or two and um so at before this point i was kind of doing the lone wolf thing i was trying to do things on my own really people didn't like i was telling you didn't really want to talk about it and um having some success but not a lo- not not as much as i wanted and then Reverend lima and his team came here do- governor doval patrick sent some money down there to combat youth violence and part of it was to be invested in suicide prevention and so they formed a coalition and they heard heard about me invited me i'm very glad that i joined um you know Reverend Lima has really spearheaded this entire thing, and i'm uh can help to accent you know all the things that they're doing mm-hmm. you know you mentioned
1: something uh just a moment ago which was really very shocking, and I hope people listening had paid attention to that. You said there were three middle school students mm-hmm. who took their own life by suicide, and that's really shocking mm-hmm. you know to think about that particular age so Uh, Know the warning signs, uh, ladies and gentlemen, whether it's a child, whether it's a grandchild, or a friend, uh, be a mentor to somebody, be a friend to somebody, help somebody, because everybody's got issues and concerns and problems at some point in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Has a child previously attempted uh, suicide? Uh, Do they talk about it? Have they mentioned it at all? Um, Do they have a constant preoccupation with uh, death or dying? Are they giving away their prized possessions, which is a sign that they're thinking of leaving, yeah. or just general signs of depression and moodiness? And it is hard because most teenagers are going through chemical changes, right. and it's truly chemical changes in the brain uh, when you get to be around twelve or thirteen years of age and older. And it's
2: a very difficult time in your life. You sure know, everything is. is the end of the world. You know, uh, the girl that you want doesn't go to the prom with you. Everything is is seems like it's the end of the world. And um, but there are ways to, to face that. There there is depression, normal depression. There is you know I'm talking more about clinical you know and and so if we can put this on the table, then we can start to decipher through those problems. You know you don't want to over uh, you know treat somebody either. You know so there's normal depression. Your grandfather dies and you're sad about it. That's you should be. You know, but then there's people who when everything's going great, they're still sad all the time. Right.
1: Brian, I know that you were uh, very instrumental in helping to have some legislation passed in Massachusetts, and I think you did this with uh, Representative Tony Cabral, if I'm not mistaken. I did. And it was um, Chapter 71 of the General Laws, Section 95. It's called Suicide Awareness and Prevention Training, and it's not a very lengthy act, but I think it's pretty meaningful, and it says that uh, schools have to adopt rules that – every single public school district in the commonwealth um, as well as commonwealth charter schools have to give at least two hours of suicide awareness and prevention training every three years to all licensed school personnel which is to the teachers so uh, obviously that's very important because teachers are really out there on the front line too they Mm -hmm. can see changes in what's happening uh, with the students before them So has this been implemented? Has the training begun?
2: I don't know if the training's begun. That's a good question. I I want to look into that. I'm sure maybe it's been done in some areas and not others. Um, But, you know, there's a couple of things that that go into this is like, oh, putting more things on the teachers. And it's exactly the opposite. Um, We want to take things off of the teacher. Right now these teachers are trying to, you know, help these kids be their buddy and say, oh, I can help you with this and this. This is a, a more of a... Uh, training to question, per se, and refer. So we want teachers to identify an at-risk student and then know where to refer them to the proper treatment. It's like um, we call it QPR, but it's like CPR training. So, um, again, we don't want to give more to the teachers. We actually want to take a little off them, but they are in a very unique position to seeing changes in in behavior or social Mm -hmm. situations.
1: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the important subject of suicide and, and prevention and recognition of somebody who may have issues that needs to be, uh, need to be addressed. Um, when I was asking um, Brian Fernandez, who was our special guest this morning, to come on the show, I asked him if he had the opportunity to appear before public assemblies of students, for example. And Brian, you gave me a very interesting response. You may not remember that conversation. And you said you deal more with talking to teachers because it's almost like the administrations don't want you to be up in front of the whole assembly of students, for example, out of fear that you're going to give them uh, ideas. But I think, ironically, it would have just the opposite impact.
2: Absolutely. Uh, they don't just not want me not talking to them. They don't want anybody talking right. to them. They don't want to talk to them themselves. Um, there is this extreme fear of the word suicide uh, to even say the word or utter the word in a school. You know, it's, 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 uh, they're afraid. They're afraid. And, again, it's education is the key. Um, and I think that why, that's why this was the first step, this legislation. If we get the teachers to talk about it, if we get them understanding that there's nothing to be afraid of, if we get them educated in the, in the ideas of, of suicide prevention, why it happens, what goes on, how you refer people, then hopefully some of that will pass on to the students. Ultimately, there should be a conversation with the students. Right. Um, but when that will happen, I
1: don't know. So, this is a very special appeal uh, this morning for this morning's program. If there are teachers, educators, administrators listening to this show this morning, I want to ask specifically that you think about having an opportunity for someone like Brian or maybe even a small panel to go and address a student assembly and talk directly to the students about it because they're the ones that are having the problems not the mm-hmm. teachers and we don't want to have this barrier
2: there do we Brian? No I think it's like other things that they discuss in in health class or whatever I think if you're there in a classroom and someone says oh you know this is a brain illness, You're not. there's nothing wrong with you, this is normal thoughts or behavior, whatever. If you're thinking about suicide, you can. this will get better, you can do this, this. Then you have a kid that may be contemplating sitting in a classroom saying, oh, I don't have to be embarrassed about it. this is something I can talk hopefully about, and they'll reach out. Brian, they yeah.
0: teach the kids about the birds and the bees, yeah. they talk about drugs and drug addiction. Uh, it's only ignorance that doesn't expand this education to bring in and talk about
2: Suicide. Well, that's a great analogy, Phil. Remember, you might remember, I don't remember, but you may remember. I don't want to uh, <laughs> date you, but the same conversation was going on when sex, at, about talking about putting sex at, well, if we exactly. tell them, they'll do it. Exactly. <laughs> They're already doing it. That's right. Yep. Uh, and so we want to educate them in, in, in safe practices. And this is the same thing. They're already doing it. 52 uh, children under the age of 18 every year in Massachusetts alone take their own lives. That's one a week. Uh, It's happening anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's important to talk about it. It's important to have public assemblies. And
1: hopefully teachers and principals and administrators can get behind this idea. You know, Phil, I mentioned before the beginning of the show today that it's hard to find quotations that are meaningful. Right. And I do a lot of humorous quotations. But I did have a few quotations I wanted to share. This is Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch is one of the most successful investors of all times and worked with um, Fidelity. Uh, He said, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Suicide is a choice, and I think if we worked with the kids, we'll get somewhere. Again, in the area of education, Um, Sinead O'Connor, a singer, said, Mm -hmm. suicide doesn't solve your problems. It only makes them infinitely, uncountably worse. And one other quotation I wanted to give, a gentleman named Luke Richardson said, we decided to speak publicly about suicide because we wanted to make a difference in other people's lives. And that's the purpose of this show this morning. Um, So...
2: um, I would add one quote to that, my own, that I just... uh, (laughs) Go ahead. Suicide doesn't uh, solve any of your problems. It just passes them on to the people that you love. Yep. Wow. very powerful and very important like a ripple Mm -hmm.
1: and i have one last quotation i want to give from uh, anderson cooper who's been on the news even recently with all the political stuff that's going on he said that's the thing about suicide try as you might to remember how a person lived his life you always end up thinking about how he ended it and the the pain really occurs for the family after the fact doesn't it and it's for most
2: people, it's a lifetime pain. It never goes away. It, it's been something I've struggled with for eight years now. Sure. I've, I have really tried hard to talk. Nicholas lived for nearly 18 years, okay? And there was a lot of life and beautiful moments and, and great experiences. And I refuse to let him be defined about by one day in his life, uh, which happened to be the last day of his life. And actually, his life continues... Uh, he continues to affect people even beyond his life, not just through me, as uh, many other things. But um, So it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to not continue to come back to that one moment and define this person by this one act and to, when there was so much more about that person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Brian, is that the Greater New Bedford
1: Suicide Prevention Coalition uh, has done awareness walks in the past – Will there be another one this year?
2: Yes, there will be. Yep, in September. It's in September. I don't have a a, an exact date yet, but um, if they wanted to call the interchurch council, um, Reverend Lima, I don't know if they've if they've nailed down an exact date yet. But okay, and that's
1: something the public in general could participate in if they chose to.
2: Absolutely, our our thought process in that is to you know getting it out of the shadows, getting out of the darkness. Walking And, um, you know, the first year we did it, um, we we give out uh, beads. I got this from the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. They give out beads to indicate what your connection to suicide is. So whether you have white beads if you lost a child or red beads if you lost a spouse or what have you. So we give out beads uh, like American Foundation of Suicide Prevention does. And the first year, it was almost all blue beads, which is support the cause. There were really very few... um, beads of people who had personal experiences, maybe a dozen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we also have green beads, which if you struggle personally. And it's been, again, like I said, it, we, we are changing, it, but it, it happens slowly. Now, last year, there was almost all people who were p- personally affected by suicide, almost no blue beads. You know, most of them were all pers- had personal experiences with suicide. And we had a large number of people that were, you know, brave enough to wear the green beads and not and did not you know give in to the stigma um and I think that's uh largely in part to this walk and and to bring attention to it that this is not something that you need to be ashamed of you have a medical condition that can be treated and you can and can be yes uh it you know, is preventable preventable oh absolutely it's the one it's the one definitely preventable death yeah so ladies and
1: gentlemen take the time to listen to somebody in your family Take the time to be observant if you think there are changes in behavior. Mm-hmm. If somebody is making an attempt at suicide or if they're talking about it, if they're, they're really reaching out for help, they're asking for a cry for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. be attuned to that. Uh, Brian Fernandez, I'd like to thank you especially for being on the radio show with us this morning to talk Indeed. about what's a very personal topic for you and also a difficult topic for so many, many people. If somebody wants more information about your efforts and your programs that you've been involved in, tell us how they can reach you by
2: telephone. Oh, they can reach me. At, it's Brian Fernandes, 774-930-4436. And thank you, Phil and Ray, for having oh, me on. Thank you. God um, bless you, you
1: and your entire
0: family. Thank you. And your cause.
1: And you can also call my office at USA Wealth Group. If you've missed anything today, if you want a reprint or a copy of some of these articles that we've talked about be happy to do that. Just give us a call at 508-998-8858. Thank you so much for listening. This is an unusual topic, but we thought it was so important for everyone to listen to. Uh, Thank you for your continued support on WBSM 1420 AM every Sunday morning. We'll see you next week.